Welcome to the Pendleton Seventh-day Adventist Church. Good to see some smiling faces here. And to those who, of you who are watching at home, uh, we welcome you too. Let's have prayer. Thank you so much, Father, for a blue sky day and the sunshine that hits our faces this morning. Thank you for Sabbath, Lord. You knew we'd need it. And Lord, we just ask you to be with those um, in our church family, wherever they are, that you will bless them, that you will wrap your arms of love around them, and that, Lord, um, they will be enriched and enthusiastic and um, grateful just for today. And we thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your word and your presence in our lives. Um, be with us today in Jesus' name. Amen. I am reading this book for the second time and you can see all the little stickers I have for it. It's called Tattoos on the Heart. It's written by a Jesuit priest, the founder of Homeboy Ministry Industries. And he's worked in it for 20 years. It's a gang intervention program located in Los Angeles, the gang capital of the world. Um, it is just amazing. His work with the um, families, with the um, druggies, with kids who are killing kids, um, with kids in prison, um, and he teaches them to feel worthy of God's love. It's just amazing. I just wanted to read a little bit to you. If you read scripture scholar Marcus Borg and go to the index in search of sinner, it'll say, see outcast. This was a social grouping of people who felt wholly unacceptable. The world had deemed them disgraceful and shameful, and this toxic shame, as I've mentioned before, was brought inside and given a home in the outcast. Jesus' strategy is a simple one. He eats with them. Precisely to those paralyzed in this toxic shame, Jesus said, I will eat with you. He goes where love has not yet arrived, and he gets his grub on. Eating with outcasts rendered them acceptable. Recognizing that we are wholly acceptable is God's own truth for us, waiting to be discovered. Pima Chodron, an ordained Buddhist nun, writes of compassion and suggests that its truest measure lies not in our service of those on the margins, but in our willingness to see ourselves in kinship with them. If there are people in our community who are disparaged and hated and left out because they are different, then she poises herself on the edge of the couch, practically ready to leap to her feet, then we shall be proud to call ourselves the hated church. These women didn't just want to serve the less fortunate, they were anchored in some profound oneness with them and became them, that you may be one as the Father and I are one. Jesus and Petra are on the same page here. 
They chose a oneness in kinship and a willingness to live in others' hearts. Jesus was not a man for others. He was one with others. There is a world of difference in that. Jesus didn't seek the rights of lepers. He touched the leper even before he got around to curing him. He didn't champion the cause of the outcast. He was the outcast. He didn't fight for improved conditions for the prisoner. He simply said, I was in prison. The strategy of Jesus is not centered in taking the right stand on issues, but rather in standing in the right place with the outcast and those relegated to the margins. Good morning. Today I'm going to ask you guys to use your imagination because of a lack of communication the images that I thought were going to be available today aren't. Uh, it's all on me so that's what we're going to have to do. It's the best we can do because I couldn't run home and get an actual thing. So today our scripture comes from Galatians 3 and these are things that don't come to us so often because like what Norma was reading, it, this is about identity, our true identity in Christ. Uh, Galatians 3 verse 25, and now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, when I ask people or, you know, you're introduced to someone, they usually say something in relation to their identity. And in this church body, a lot of times, people will say, I'm a fourth generation Adventist. I'm a fifth generation Adventist. Or in a work setting, I'm the supervisor of these people, or I'm whatever, if you were to go up to someone that's involved in sports, they'd say, I'm the center fielder, I'm the pitcher, I'm the catcher, whatever. I'm the quarterback, I'm the running back. But the reality is this, for now you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. What I'm thinking about is, first and foremost as followers, we should identify as children of God. And that, that little children of God, when you take the first letters out, it's C-O-G, COG. Now this is where your imagination has to come into play. And we all have been gifted by God with this amazing brain that allows us, we don't have to have something literal, we can see it in our minds, right? So does everybody here know what a gear is? A circle with teeth, right? Like this, only all the way around the circle, right? Well now, the cog of the gear is the individual tooth, right? And its job, by definition, is to transfer power. It holds no power, being a cog. A child of God holds no power but it has the ability to transfer power because you have power from the Most High. So if we can imagine ourselves as one little tooth on that gear wheel, 
And the only way, how does that gear, if it's by itself, can it transfer power to anything? No, because it's not interacting with anything. So it's absolutely necessary that that gear meshes with another gear before it can transfer the power that it has been given. Now we can talk in the terms of physics as to whether it's power or torque, but in this setting, we as children of God, each one are given power. Because I look around this group and I'm thinking of the larger group that will see this or is seeing this. Each one of us has been given a gift from God through the Spirit, right? That it may be this, the power of hospitality. It can be teaching. It can be preaching. It can be all of these gifts of the Spirit. But that is only received once we're connected to God. Without them, we're what? Sinners. So we act out of our sin nature. But he says that once we come into this relationship, that is no longer true. Even though our actions may or may not show that. Because that may be a lifetime thing. We may not see that completion until we're translated into heaven. Now on that day when we're raised, or if we're still alive, we raise up with Jesus and ascend into the, to this next stage of our life. But the thing is, so we should not anticipate people that are still in that sin existence to act out of anything but that. To do that is irrational. To think that someone that still does not have this base relationship with God can act out of their nature. Now they can be kind for a while. They may do something nice, but they still live in that sin nature. Once you come into faith. Let's go, this is easy for me because this is one of my favorite. Ephesians 1. Verse 13, and now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. Upon belief, not upon some act of cleaning ourselves up, scrubbing really hard, trying real hard not to do anything wrong for a day, but upon belief, we receive this Holy Spirit, and at that moment, our whole being is changed. We go from being a sinner, captured by sin, not by choice, but by birth, to this other state of being, which is a child of God. The cog. The thing that can transfer power. Now, God, in his mercy and grace, then gives us some kind of gift. He gets to decide what it is. It's for the common good, the common good of the body of Christ, which we all are just because we're connected with God. So at that moment, he gives you this gift. You may not even be aware of it because sometimes we can't discern that. We're not mature enough to discern the gift that God has given us. But the thing is, since he says he will do it, it's a certainty. 
So even if you don't really understand what gift you've been given, you have one. And what does that do? Through this natural giftedness. If your giftedness, I think of my brother Chris who's out there greeting people. He was gifted by God in that. Because you know that you've truly been greeted when Mr. Viking greets you. Isn't that right? I think anybody that's had interaction with him knows this. And that's not of himself. This is his gift, one of his gifts from God. Because sometimes he gives us more than one gift. He again chooses that. But the idea is, as long as we identify as other and do not really accept that cog designation, the child of God, there will always be something between us. Because if I identify as a, what's the longest running Adventist generation? Would you say 30 generations, 50 generations? I'm a 50th generation Adventist. There's something between you and God. And there's nothing wrong with that designation. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there's something between you and the identity that God has given you, which is, first and foremost, child of God, heir as his son is. So the thing we need to get into our heads, like what Norma read, this church can stand in a lot of identities. We can stand in, okay, the identity now. I don't get to look out and see your faces because they're all masked, right? Are we the masked church? I would like us to like to think this church is the church of the children of God. And that includes the ones that aren't yet even aware of their identity because they haven't come into a relationship. And that is a hard thing to do because sometimes I know that in myself, before God in his mercy allowed me to see my identity, I thought of myself as something else, something outside, something alien to this. This had nothing to do with me. Because of my actions in the past, I believed that I could never be this because some of the word says so. But in his grace and mercy, he changed my mind. He changed my heart. I don't care about people in myself. I care greatly about people in this new designation, child of God. I care that our church cares enough about people that they're willing to wear the silly mask, which are a real pain. You know, they fog up. If you wear glasses, you know what I'm talking about. They're not easy to breathe through. But you see, this isn't about us. This is about the other that we're protecting. That's the idea here that this is about the other, not so much about us. Because if we have this identity that we've accepted from news or from political statements that says, no, this isn't real, no, you don't have to do that, then you're putting self first. This is about me. This isn't about you. This isn't about me wearing the mask to protect you. This is about somebody trampling my individual rights. What individual rights? Think about it at base. If we are sinners, the wages of sin are 
death. That's very plain. If we have become a child of God, we have stepped into this eternal life. It says in John, and this is eternal life, that you know the one who sent me and have heard his message. So the idea that we have these rights, that's out of the world, guys. As children of God, we transfer this power to someone else that we have received. And through these masks, it's the perfect time to speak to others about otherness. I had a conversation yesterday with a medical professional, and do you know what we talked about? Her kids going to school online and the struggle that they're having, especially with the music program. Well, what perfect opportunity. We're all in this commonality of wearing masks. I'm thinking we tried this shield this week because the little thing that was tried last week wasn't quite up to the task. Before we're done with this thing, whoever stands up in front may have Darth Vader's mask on. I don't know. But the truth is this alone in our circumstance, in this COVID thing, in the smoke thing, we have a commonality with everyone. And we can use this to speak of this power that's been given to us. And in that mere speaking, you are transferring power. Right? God knows those that are His. We don't need to identify them. It says, let the weeds grow with the tares. No, the other way around. Let the tares grow with the wheat. Don't pull them up. You'll mess it up and you'll burn the wrong plants. So it's our job just to transfer the power that we're given every day. He woke us up today, didn't he? You've been given power. What do we want to do with that? Do we want to go home and watch a sports program? That's our choice, right? But today, you'll be in interaction with somebody else. What's it going to be based on? The identity that the world has given you, whatever that might be, or is it in this new identity in Christ that says, I am a child of God. Nothing, neither powers above or powers below, can separate me from this. The truth is, this is a true identity, not an assumed identity. Because it's given from the same person that created us. In our mother's womb, he knit us together. And he knit in child of God. Now, he wants everyone to come into salvation. But scripture says so. Will they? Don't know. It says some will be lost. But the thing is, you're not. If you have come into this thing that it says in Ephesians, it doesn't say a lot of belief. Because we can't even do that on our own. We can't supply the faith that leads to belief. He also has to supply that. And it says if we have this little tiny, tiny bit of faith, we can do amazing things. Why? Because we're connected. We're connected to this thing called God that controls and supplies everything. Without God, the sun doesn't shine. Because it says he supports it in his hand. He says he gives breath to every living thing. 
Without it, we don't breathe. You think it's hard to breathe through the mask? What if he isn't supplying the breath into your lungs? And that is a harsh thing because we get to choose this day, today, are we going to honor that power that we've been given? Or do we honor the identity that the world wants to place upon us? Because the identity the world wants to place upon us is going to be driven by what we intake through the world. If it's the news report, it's the news. If it's sports, it's a sports identity that's not ours. I'm not the guy out there on the basketball court dribbling the ball making however many hundred thousand dollars a night. I'm just the guy watching the game. I'm not the guy that's ice skating. I'm not the guy. I'm only a person who watches the guy, which means I'm not much. But God says in Galatians that we are children of his, heirs of the promise. The promise is that we will live together forever. This family, this family, everyone connected through his son will live together forever. And that is something to look forward to. Where we shed all this false identity that's been built upon us on that moment of change when we ascend, we get this true identity, which is child of God interacting with our Lord, interacting with others through the power he supplies. So out in this week, because all right, I wrote down some uh, verses about this. Remember in Genesis at the burning bush, God identifies himself as I am. And that in Galatians says, you are a child of his. I am a child of God. John, in John 15, we are told without him, we can accomplish nothing. Nothing that's worthwhile. We can amass huge fortunes and be the most unhappy person in the world. I think of the comedian Robin Williams, who was a fantastic comedian, one of the funniest people in the world. He did some movie, a few movies that were very good. And yet, he was so despondent. He made so much money that even his children couldn't spend it all. But you know something? He was so unhappy, he took his own life. So money isn't going to do it, guys. Property isn't going to do it. Because what happens at the, you know, when Christ comes? It all becomes stuff that blows around in the wind, just ash. So we can you know, accumulate these things and all of this, true, this identity that we think of true. But he says in Philippians that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And that is the truth, the things that matter. Because think about it, if you are working with somebody or just interacting with somebody that doesn't know Christ, they die and it's an eternal death. But if through the power that you've been given by God, that 
minimal interaction and they come into this statement of belief, all of a sudden through the power of the Spirit, they now have an eternal life that can't be stolen from them because Scripture says nothing can take us out of His hand. And that's a hopeful thing. So this day, may we reside in the fact that we are not we can become by doing certain things. We are children of God. Something that's unassailable. Something that is anchored in hope. And that's, if we can walk away with just that fact, that we are children of God, no ifs, ands, or anything else, we are children of God, then our time together has been worthwhile. Because I know a lot of people that are in a faith relationship with God don't feel that because of something that they've done. This week, I fill in the blank. The truth is, that doesn't matter. It doesn't change your identity. Your identity is secure in Christ, not in our actions. Our actions will just show some of that flesh that's still clinging to us. So this day, may you have the assurance that you are a child of God, heir to the promise, and nothing can take that away from you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today we thank you that you've given us this day just to come apart. May we, through your power, through your spirit, be able to understand this identity that you have for us. Because once we come into that, Lord, we change. We don't worry as much. We don't assume as much. So Lord, through your power, may that be made manifest in each person that hears this message, I pray in your name. Amen.